Welcome to the scorching arena of valor and the crucible of courage. This is the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Here in the inferno of life's greatest challenges, heroes are shaped and legends are born. Every episode is a torchlight of wisdom, casting a glow on the paths walked by those who've braved the flames and emerged stronger in this furnace of fortitude. We'll explore tales of resilience, bravery, and the unyielding human spirit. Each guest brings their own spark of insight, lighting up the darkness and guiding us through the smoke of adversity. With Fireman Rob at the helm, prepared to delve into conversations that smolder with significance and stories that kindle the soul. It's not just a podcast, it's a beacon for all who seek to rise from the ashes and glow with purpose. So stoke the fires of your curiosity and ready your heart for tales of triumph and transformation. The flames are roaring. The stage is ablaze. Welcome to the Forged in the Fires podcast. Let the journey begin. All right, welcome back to Forge in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today's guest, he is a Marine. He's went to the Naval Academy, but you know, even more than that, he's he's created something that is so powerful because he saw a need for it. And he is the co-owner, president, CEO of White Feather Investments. It is so great to have you on the show today, Edward Buddy Rushing. It's great to be on the show. I really appreciate the invitation. I was excited for it. Definitely. You know, it's so great to have you on. I mean, thank you for your service. I mean, you you've been you're still in the in the United States Marines, right? Uh so I um transition I was in on active duty for uh, around 17 years. I transitioned into the reserves about 4 years ago and I am officially uh, out as of now. Oh, congratulations. How does that feel? Thank you. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an adjustment for sure. That's we've talked, I've talked about this quite a bit, you know, I mean, my entire adult life, all I knew was the military. I, I went from high school straight into the Naval Academy, which is a military, um, school. And, uh, and then, you know, and then straight from the Naval Academy into the Marine Corps. Uh, so my entire adult life, that's all I've ever known is that rigid structure and that, you wow. know, the crystal clear sense of purpose and, and, you know, sense of place in a community. Uh, right. And everything. And uh, and this was during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so, you know, I went to uh, Southeast Asia uh, for on a deployment and then I deployed to Afghanistan three times. And and so I had all of that. Right. That's a different life. A different that's world. A, right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that's not get up and go to work every day. That's that's no. like, you know, it, it's it takes a totally different mindset. Um, yep. And, uh, and so, yeah, transition out. And, and, you know, as you mentioned before, we own White Feather Investments, which you know, is, is a company that we run full time, meaning I didn't get a job when I got out. So <laughs> now I have myself, right? And so imagine that you yeah. spend your entire adult life having people tell you exactly where to be, exactly what to do. Yes, sir. Roger that, sir. You know, this and that. And then you get out and now nobody tells you what to do. Right? Oh, that's a, that's a drastic change. I mean, it's you, a you could have, you could have eased into it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and, and you know, people think, uh, when you say it like that, like I have no boss, nobody tells me what to do. People are like, oh my God, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? And there are parts of it that are amazing. But I tell you, there's a right. lot of struggle and challenge that goes along with being your own boss as well. 
Oh, I could, I could imagine. Now let's go back to the Naval Academy. And actually I want to go back to what, what made you choose to, to be part of something bigger and, and join the military. Cause I think it's always interesting to find that, that origin story because it, it, it means a lot to each person to be able to tell that. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it was a combination of things. Um, for me, I, I grew up, you know, really poor on food stamps in, um, and Wick in East Tennessee. And my dad, uh, my dad had was drafted into the Marine Corps of Vietnam before I was born. And, oh, wow. um, and so he would talk about his, you know, experiences there, which, you know, a lot of them were not positive. A lot of the experiences in Vietnam, as well as coming home from Vietnam as a right. military person, not, not positive at all. Right. Um, right. And so, and so, you know, he, he would talk about that, but he also, you could tell he was extremely proud to have served as a Marine, not, not, not just served, but served as a Marine. Right. And, right. And so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I always had that, I think in the back of my head. And then whenever I was getting ready to graduate high school, um, I had a guidance counselor. Like one of the problems with, you know, being, being really poor. And especially since I worked in high school, like to help pay the rent and everything like that. So I never played wow. any sports. So like a, the way for a poor kid to get into college is to get a scholarship. Right. And normally those are sports scholarships. And, but I didn't have that cause I didn't play any sports in high school. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to college unless I can figure out a way to get it paid for, you know? <laughs> oh. um, so yeah. then, then it all came together, right? I had this guidance counselor show me a brochure from the Naval Academy. And it was this, it was uh, what I le- later learned would be called the brigade of midshipmen. So it's this bunch of people in these white uniforms looking real sharp, standing at attention in this formation. <laughs> and then this, the blue angels screaming overhead, right? The jets, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. that's what, that was the photo, right? And uh, I was like, man, that looks super awesome. And, and I've always wanted to serve. I've always, always wanted to be a Marine. Um, and then the guidance counselor said the magic words I needed to hear. They were like, and by the way, it's paid for. If you get accepted, they will, it doesn't cost you any money. And uh, I was like, sign me up. Yeah. Well, so what I later learned is it costs you a heck of a lot more than money. <laughs> like, it's free. It's free. It's free right? It's like I, I remember telling somebody about this. I was so excited. I thought I was like, I felt like the Naval Academy and the military was like this rich uncle that just came into my life and did this amazing thing. And then I went there and I realized that uh, you don't have a rich uncle. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a three hundred thousand dollar education rammed down your throat a nickel at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That I mean, it's 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 got to be um, interesting because I I know a lot of people don't know what it's like to um, to be able to be in an academy, a military academy. The the structure, the discipline, the the uber focus. Mm-hmm. what was that like to be able to transition into that? Because you come from a civilian side and you go into this, this rigid atmosphere. How was your transition into that? It was a smack in the face immediately for me. Now I, the, the, the rigid atmosphere wasn't the part that was hard. Uh, Cause my dad was uh, my dad was a disciplinarian growing up. Right. Time. Like he was. And so he was very structured and rigid and, and so I was used to that. And, and the way that I brought up had a very military feel to it. We, we grew up in the, in the backwoods of East Tennessee. And, and so, you know, we knew we were always taught like, you know, work extremely hard. Don't, don't, no excuses. Like, don't cry. Like it, my nice. dad was a really hard kid. <laughs> and so, and so in a way that really prepared me for life in the military. Um, but what crushed me were the academics. Uh, Cause okay. I, I grew up, um, you know, in a kind of a, 
a poor school district in in East Tennessee where and then I and then my mom and dad divorced and I moved to Louisiana and I was in come to find out uh, the lowest ranked parish in Louisiana for academics and in Louisiana is, is among the bottom of the states at least it was at that time and so right. I didn't do chemistry calculus or physics in high school I, I didn't do any of those oh, three and really right so so I go to the Naval Academy which is one of the hardest academic schools in the nation right yeah. and all of a sudden chemistry right like they're like boom and it man it was so so hard um <laughs> and i remember like i almost i i thought i was gonna fail out for sure and uh and i would just i would just work i remember working pretty much 20 hours a day because we had our military duties and we had our you know all of the stuff you have to do as a plebe which is you know the you know you're treated like a slave basically and yeah. um and then on top of that I had to spend every waking hour trying to figure out how to handle these academics. And so, yeah, I didn't get much wow. sleep that first year. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that, that, that had to be something that weighed on your mind is like, did you, while you're going through it, did you have those feelings of, gosh, am I, am I, am I made for this? Am I set out for Absolutely. this? Absolutely. The first night, the first night that I was at the Naval Academy, I look around and, and brother, I don't know if you've ever experienced <laughs> that, like that community, but there were, I looked around and I saw superhumans walking yeah. beside me, like people yeah. that were incredibly fit, super. I had a guy come in and like, I'd never heard this term before, validated plebe chemistry, meaning he was able to take a test and not have to take chemistry because he was already beyond <laughs> that. And I was like, what? Like, how is that possible? And, and by the way, he runs, you know, a, a three minute and 59 second mile. Right. Yeah. And, and also he's, he's like, six feet four and really handsome right and it's like i'm like who are these people like where, and, where did you pick them from and there were tons of them there were everywhere yeah. you look there were these people that were just the top of the heap and then there was me and i was like ah. i don't you know what though it, this is this is gonna shock some people the reason that i made it through wasn't because i was being driven by some interior motivation to be the best that i could be i was right. scared to death that because if I failed out of there, what would my life be? It was right. the fear of going back home and working at co-op or, or at Walmart. Like, cause I didn't, I couldn't go to college cause I didn't right. have any money. And so even though I had, I had done well academically in high school, I come to find out that was a terrible academic high school. And so like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was the fear of not of, of not having a life that propelled me forward, not the dream of, because right? a lot of people that completely think like, makes sense though. That does make sense. I tell people all the time now, cause now I've coached thousands of people on how to build the life of their dreams. And you know, I tell them there are two primary motivators that you can latch onto fear of loss and hope for gain. Fear works better, especially at the beginning. Oh, I love that. I love that. What now, now I want you to go into that hope for gain, because I think that's a, that's something that a lot of people um, hang their hats on. Yeah. And it, and it, and I will tell you that right now, like once it's, I think it's an evolution. I think it's better or easier. And this is just my opinion. What do I know? Right. But it's like, I think it's better to start with, um, the things that, that, that hurt you, the things that you're afraid of, the things that like, right. that suck in your life. Right. Do you live in an area that's super dangerous? Do you do, are your kids going to terrible schools or do you hate your boss? Are you in a, are you in a relationship that's not serving you? So on, so on, right. 
right. using those things to fuel you to work late into the night, to to learn things you didn't know before, or to take chances that you wouldn't normally take. That works because all you have to do is think, you all you have to do is look around and say, I don't want to be in this situation. So I'm going to go ahead and and send all of these messages to people who might buy something that I'm selling or whatever, right? Whatever right. it is that you're doing, there are times everybody has the same 24 hours. And if you're not living the life of your dreams, if you're in a situation that you hate and you're simultaneously watching a show on Netflix, you should ask yourself, is this time better spent changing my life? Because there's plenty of time to watch Netflix later. <laughs> so true. <Right? laughs> so, so that's what, but the hope for gain, I will tell you that is much more, I think from a long-term perspective, that is much more, much healthier to transition to that. So now like in my life and my family's life, like I, we don't, I'm not on food stamps anymore and we're not living in a dangerous area anymore and anything like that. So now it's like, okay, what drives me and motivates me? And, and honestly, it's the, it's the reason I'm on this podcast because there's likely somebody that will hear this, that will say to themselves, why not me? Like yes. it's possible <laughs> for me. And then I may never meet them, but they may make a decision to start using their pain and their fear to motivate them and to change not just their life, but the legacy, their family's life, their children's lives forever. Right. right. Yeah, and, that's so true. And that's what motivates me is helping people do that, seeing the light come on in their eyes and then helping them create a blueprint and a structure for how to execute it. Right. Because yep. like mostly like what you see mostly is people that are stoking motivations and passions and dreams and all that's awesome. That's really good stuff. The problem is dreams without a plan, yeah. without an executable plan, they stay dreams until eventually they turn into nightmares of what could have been. Yeah. Because dreams so have true. a shelf life, right? Yep. So yeah. well, now how do you how do you transition that that thought process? So I, I'm guessing that that manifested itself throughout your your career, obviously. How did how did situations that you were in while you were in the military, helped to shape um, not only the positives but some of the negatives of your mindset. How did how did that how did that uh, in essence uh, roll out through your journey in the military? You know, I saw that. Uh, so Patton has a saying. General Patton has a saying that a good plan violently executed now beats the perfect plan executed next week. And so what I learned in the military is the most success that I ever had wasn't having a great idea. It wasn't coming up with the best strategy. It was executing relentlessly on either somebody else's idea or, or, you know, uh, an imperfect strategy that you iterate and and improve over time, but executing execution, right? Taking action, executing was the number one differentiator between success and not success. Uh, And in the military, especially in the Marine Corps, especially in combat, uh, it is executing routine things in extraordinary situations. It's literally like the stuff you train, right? Like pulling, you know, the slide back on your weapon or changing magazines or doing whatever, right? All of those things are relatively simple to learn and to do, but you have to be able to do them in extreme situations. And so what what I learned was how to rapidly and ruthlessly prioritize the things that matter. And the the way that I I would do that. that, Yeah. It's so, and you have to do that in combat because people are shooting at you. So you're not too worried about your Instagram account. If somebody's shooting at you, (laughs) right. 
or, 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 or what people's opinions are of you. Well, what do the people back home think about me? Do they think that I've forgotten my roots? Did, all the things that plague us yes. in normal day-to-day life, they don't really matter if somebody's shooting at you. Right. So what you do is you take that ruthless prioritization and you apply it to your life when people aren't, in fact, shooting at you. I literally was talking to my wife about this before this call. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that we're doing right now is we're expanding our real estate investing accelerator because we just had a lot of interest. And so we're it's a that's a six month training program. I have that helps teaches people how to build financial freedom. So we're expanding it, which and so we're having a call uh, on the 12th uh, about that. And right. so for me, that's my focus, meaning. I have a ton of stuff that could be done. I have, you know, new construction projects in, in Florida that like are, you know, delayed. I've got, I've been trying to um, uh, analyze this property that's in San Diego. We've got other things like Christmas decorations and, you know, various other things that everybody. So what I'm doing in order to have success in this, I know that I can't be overwhelmed by all that stuff. I have to ruthlessly prioritize. And the only reason that I got on this call was because I'd given you my word that I would be on this call. And that's important to me, keeping my word. But this call is not necessarily supporting that mission. I'm doing it because I'm keeping my word, and it's only a 30-minute call. Right. But 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 ruthlessly prioritize the things that that move the needle forward in building your dreams, and then execute those things that you prioritized. That's the mindset that I learned in the Marine Corps and in combat that has has yielded a lot of success in business as well. And and when you talk about ruthless. The people here ruthless and like, oh my gosh, like you're not thinking about anything else or talk to me more about that word because it's, I think it's, I think it's in essence, the, the game changer of what you're talking about. It's the game changer. When I say ruthless, I mean that we often think of things and we just assume that they are all the same priority or something or some, some similar priority. For for instance, um, let's just say, um, you know, you've got, you've got a, a commitment to go to somebody's birthday party and, you know, you, you're feeling overwhelmed because you have other things that you need to do. Um, and, and whatever, right. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen if you don't go to a birthday party, right. And, and you look at it and you say, okay, they're going to be disappointed in me. I'm, I'm not going to show support and my friends may, you know, be disappointed and all that stuff. Okay. But what is the worst? And, and that, you do that and apply that to everything that you have on your to-do list. What happens if I nuke this off of my to-do list and just, just kill it and it never yeah. gets done? What's the worst that can happen? If the worst that can happen is your life is ruined, then prioritize that thing, right? If the worst right. that can happen is a few people get some hurt feelings or maybe I don't have as much fun as I would have had or, or, or a lot of times what you'll find out is nothing happens. Nothing <laughs> happens if I nuke this. That's and so, so, so when you ruthlessly prioritize – it's, I tell here's another way to look at this. You have all the time in the world to build your dreams. You're just not prioritizing properly. And I'll give you an example. Right? If if I tell somebody you live, what, uh, Rob, where do you live? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. So it's a it's a decent plane ride from you to me. I live in Southern California. So if I were to say, hey, Rob, I will. If you get on a plane and come out to me tomorrow, I will sit down with you for a half a day. And I will help you build your blueprint that can create the life of your dreams. And not not you. Let's just say it's somebody else, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody else. They might be like, ah, oh, I've got I've got to drop the kids off at school. I've got you know this and that. I've I've got all of these obligations. 
there's the expense of the ticket, all these, you fill out all of these reasons why it's a lower priority and thus won't get accomplished. But if I say to you, I will give you $100,000 if you show up on my doorstep tomorrow, guess what? <laughs> all of those problems all of a sudden yeah. get a lower priority. But here's the crazy part. If I, I have sat with people and helped them build blueprints and helped them execute, and they have gone from being a nine to five working person making $50,000 a year to a multimillionaire in a matter of three years. I can give you specific examples of people that we've done this with that are willing to talk to you about how they did it. So that half a day you could have spent with me could have resulted in millions of dollars. Right. But it won't be prioritized and freedom, but it won't be prioritized for 99.9% of the people because it's not something that is an immediate tangible benefit to them. Whereas a hundred thousand dollars is. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's a, well, that's a huge, that statement that you made is directly at that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that can't, yeah, they they can't function around, oh, I have to work hard for that. Did that military side of you help you to create this investment um, side of you have to find a way to do it yourself. You have to be invested in what you are going after. Did that, did that help you in that respect? You know, I think by and large, one of the reasons that I do focus on military and veterans and, and first responders, that, that's that's who we kind of serve uh, and right. their families, is is because there's a general sense of a, a bias for action and a willingness to do it themselves if they need to. Um, right. that, that's just in general, right? You're, you think of a police officer, a firefighter, a, a Marine. In general, you're going to be like, yep, that person's probably willing to get their hands dirty. They're probably willing to work hard. <laughs> They're probably willing to... Right. To take some pain right. if they need to. Those are in general, like sort of things that you think of when you think of those. So. So. And we found that by and large to be the case. I don't know if it's the military training or if it's the type of personality that goes into the military. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great right? point. Yep. Um, so. So what we do, and this is one of the main reasons that we decided to focus on this community is because I believe that people who volunteer and whether you're a police officer, firefighter, or someone serving in the military, at this point, it's an all-volunteer force. There's no conscription. No, no, nobody's ever been drafted that is serving currently. Right. And so when you have people who willingly put themselves in a situation where they could be hurt or killed to serve their fellow human, to, to in some way preserve and protect the American dream of freedom right. and safety and security, you know, if those people who do that, if you help them build financial freedom, what do you think they're going to do with their time? Yeah, <laughs> they're going to keep serving in whatever right. way that they that, that drives them the most. And that's what we see. That's what's played out. That's so huge. That's so huge in the in the in the aspect of um, when you think about the people that serve. And I, I love that you put it that way of like they're they're helping out. And a lot of times that you're helping out people that you don't even know um, personally or will never right. know. So yeah. when you created uh, White Feather Investments, tell me more about the premise, because I love it. Our mission is to educate and empower military members to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. Talk to me more about uh, that that feeling of you being part of something bigger than yourself and creating this for others. That's really what it is. It's, it's being a part. I mean, let's be honest that humans, we are naturally drawn to want to be a part of groups or missions that are bigger than ourselves. It's just right. way more wired. That's why gangs form. That's why 
um, you know, nations form. That's why right. friendship circles form and so on. And so what we found, um, you know, in the military is that we have all of that when we serve. But as soon as we take the uniform off, we lose all of it, every right. bit of it. Right. And, you know, so what we wanted to recreate that we wanted to recreate that, but with a different mission. Right. Our mission is not to protect uh, our nation anymore or to fight our nation's battles. It's to ultimately help people live the American dream they fought to protect. That's what our mission is. That's and that's awesome. what our collective mission is. And so, you know, the answer to your question of why real estate is because I discovered by reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then that sparked my mindset and, and I started learning a lot more. Uh, it convinced me that even though I grew up on food stamps, I didn't have to have that legacy pass beyond me. I didn't have to sustain that legacy of poverty. Right. And so right. and then I discovered that real estate is the number one vehicle that has lifted Americans from poverty to uh millionaire status. It's the number one vehicle that has created millionaires out of ordinary people in America. And so I'm like, well, shoot, when you look at that and then you look at the military benefits, like the VA loan, for instance, which allows you to buy a property with zero dollars out of pocket, then it started really kind of cranking. And, uh, and you know, it it started from using your VA loan to house hack. So buy a, a fourplex, for instance, with your VA loan, zero down, live in one unit, rent the other three out and live for free. Right. It started with that and then yeah. it moved into buying rental properties and then, you know, developments and education and then all of this short term rentals and all this other stuff. But, yeah, it started with that that one realization that real estate has created more millionaires out of normal people than any other vehicle. That's amazing. And and reading here as of 2022, you had over 230 graduates of that of that program. Make sure you go to whitefeatherinvestments.com. You can find out more there. What does that mean to you? I mean, that's that's a you served your country. You did you did amazing things there, and now you're doing something on top of that to not only create um, that that freedom for your family, but freedom for others. Uh, what does that mean to you at the end of the day? Well. First thing it means is we need to update our website because that's <laughs> that is uh, we had this we've had 350 accelerated graduates and over see that's what I will I like to, that's what yeah. I like to hear that's what I yeah. like to hear see it just it just continues to get more yeah see, that's, I love it you know it's this is gonna it's gonna sound a little a little silly but I um at some point so okay so so Tony Robbins says this best he says um, you can only make so much money and then you have to start making a difference if you want your life to have meaning oh, and man. when you're poor that doesn't mean much to you you're like whatever give me the money right? <laughs> I just want to you know, I'll, I'll worry about that rich person problem later give me the money right now right and, and everybody is I was that's the way I was at least and, yeah. and now that we have achieved financial freedom I can honestly tell you that there's nothing truer nothing truer because what you realize when you become a millionaire, when you realize, hey, I am a millionaire, there's a resounding emptiness that happens. It's like well, there's this expectation that you'll be filled with joy for the rest of your days. And that's just not the case. Right. right. You have momentary like, oh, this was fun. Or, oh, wow, we did that <laughs> and it was great. Or, oh, my gosh, look how much money is in this account. That's really cool. And it lasts for like minutes, not yeah. hours, not days, not years. and so. You, when you when you realize that that doesn't keep you happy, then you start getting scared. And you're like, well, shoot, <laughs> is there anything that can make you happy? Anything that can keep you happy? And then you go back to literally what every wise person throughout history, dating all the way back to Jesus, said. 
is that if you want to be happy, serve others. Right. Right. It's that age old wisdom that we somehow have to keep relearning. Right. And rephrasing in different ways. So true. Right. Zig Ziglar said, if you, want, if you want, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Right. And right. And so what what I have what I've found is that the real passion and joy in business that I get is helping people have success in their life seeing their lives change, seeing the light in their eyes spark whenever they realize what's possible to them for them and then hearing their stories. And so yeah. I will get, and here comes the cheesy part. I will <laughs> get emails um, routinely. Like I'll just get uh, out of the blue. People will send me emails and it'll be, Hey buddy, I just wanted to let you know, I know we haven't talked in a year or two, but I just wanted to let you know that since I joined white feather, um, you know, my wife, uh, and I have fully embraced this journey to financial freedom together. And guess what? We fight less. We love more. We're more excited for our future. Yes, our yes. lives and our children's lives are better because we're on this journey, because of this community and because of everything. And so I will read that and, you know, I, I will I will sit in it and I'll respond to them. But then I put it. I have a little I use Gmail. And so I have this little Google uh, Gmail folder or whatever. Um, yeah. that, that I literally call nice emails <laughs> and I will put it in there and I've got hundreds at this point, hundreds of those emails. And I can tell you, man, I did, uh, I did a deal earlier this year where I made about $300,000 one month. Right. And that's a lot for me. That's it. And so that's a good like, day. It, it's, yeah, it's, it was a good month. Right. So, yeah. so in yeah. that month we made $300,000 and, and that was a spike. That was a lot for me. And, and, you know, cause we're financial freedom for me doesn't mean a hundred million dollars. It just means that all of my bills are paid by passive right. income. And so, right. um, so 300,000 is a lot. And, and I, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is cool. This is fun. This is going to be fun doing all this, whatever. And then I literally just moved on. Right. Whereas <laughs> when I get one of these nice emails, I'll sit in it. I will, I'll think about it all day. Right. It's because yes. someone's life is, someone's life is better. Someone's life is, is, is more positive and more abundant because of the small part that I had to play in it. And I get to, I get to keep that forever. You know, that's awesome. That's so awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, make sure you're, yeah, you go to whitefeatherinvestments.com. You can find out more about the amazing things that you're doing as well as, you know, you're on LinkedIn, right? Edward buddy rushing, go to there. You can find out some, I love, I love your posts, man. You got some good posts. Uh, well, oh, thank you, know, you. Especially two weeks ago. Happy birthday to the Marines. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate you coming on today. I always end with the same three questions. Are you ready for those questions? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So if you could go back to your 18-year-old self and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? To my 18-year-old self? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know... <laughs> I have two things. One is one would be to tell uh, my 18 year old self to to not buy my first investment property, which was an absolute disaster. You can find it; it's online. And if you follow me on on Instagram or or anything like that as well, you can find all of these stories. Um, but it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. But I also the lessons we learned out of that disaster, you know, helped us build what we have built now. Um, so That's so huge. that would my temptation would be to tell him not to do that, but but that probably is not the right thing to do. I think hard. <laughs> it is. It is. I think, um, I think what I would tell him is, um, you need to, you need to read rich dad, poor dad right now. 
and <laughs> understand that the mindset that you sh the mindset shift you get out of that is going to create a legacy change for your family and a life of abundance and a life of impact and 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 everything. So my 20s were all about deploying and being a Marine and executing. And same thing, a lot of my 30s were about leading Marines in combat and doing all. And I wouldn't change that for the world. That is a life defining um, wow. period in my life. Right. And, and it was amazing. I'm so proud of having served in the Marine Corps. But the thing is, like, you know, the, the odds are that I live to 100 Right with the today, you know, ninety or hundred right. with all yeah. of the health improvements, longevity, everything that's happening. So that means that even right now I'm forty-one, which means I've got like sixty years left. You got a long right? time. So, <laughs> so you know, if that is the case, then then you know, take a look at how you want the rest of your life to look. And here's the thing I've learned: money or financial freedom or call it whatever you want. Yeah. It it doesn't mean anything in and of itself. It only matters what you do with it. That's so and true. so so really building financial freedom is literally just building yourself a launching pad from which you can make your dent in the universe. You can you can you know you can live a life of passion and purpose and, and so on. It's an enabling function. That's all it is. So money in and right. of itself, that's why for me it's like, bro, if you've got 10 million bucks and financial freedom, why try for a hundred million? Right. Just for the sake of a hundred million. Now, if Just you're trying second, to do yeah. something big, if you're trying to do something much bigger and you need that hundred million to do that, then OK, awesome. But what you'll find a lot of people that are building that is they're building it just to have that extra higher number in their bank account. Right. And that doesn't you know, make there's, sense. A, there's a book that uh, I would also record. So I would tell my 18 year old self two things. One, read, read Rich That Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And two, read Die With Zero. Oh, really? What's that one? Yeah, check it out. Just it's die with zero. It's basically it's a it's a book that flips the idea of what money is should be used for on its head and how much money you should save. And the whole idea is that you use the money that you create in your lifetime to create experiences and memories and, That's and awesome. you know the optimal yes. life and that you don't you don't save anything to literally just be passed on whenever you die because the whole premise is if, if you're wanting to give money to your kids, give them to them while they're still alive. While, 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 give it to them yeah. right now. Give it to them while you're still alive. Don't wait till after you're dead because, you know, oftentimes so by the time they receive their inheritance, assuming you don't die like uh, as some freak accident, if you die like in your 80s, the chances are your kids are in their 60s, which yeah. means the optimum time they could have used that money was 30 years ago <laughs> when they were struggling. and Right. And so it flips everything on its head oh, and it's that's... like. So like I've been uh, I've been uh, riding the bike a lot recently to uh, I'm preparing I for a half that. Ironman. Nice. Um, and yeah. Oh, by the way, I I've never run a half Ironman or a third Ironman or any. I don't even know. I didn't even know what an Ironman was. I just yes. had a buddy of mine say, "Hey, you're 41. Let's go fight back against Father Time. Let's go run a half Ironman for charity." And I'm like, "Let's do it." <laughs> I love so, it. I love it's it. So hard. Uh, just in case you were wondering, Rob, it's so yeah. hard to ride that far. <laughs> It's so hard to run that far. Like I, I it's gonna be, it's gonna be a total. Uh, you just gotta get there, buddy. Yeah, that's all uh, you gotta do. You just gotta I told get there. You, I've got a friend of mine who's a professional triathlete. Uh, his name's Tim O'Donnell, and he was like, "I'll train you." And I'm like, "Tim, you run a marathon at a five minute mile pace." Like yeah. Tim's a little. Tim's off. Yeah, <laughs> like your VO2 max is way higher than a normal human should be. So, like, don't no. I'm trying to survive. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, right, sorry. Yeah. That's a long answer to your question. 
I love I love that though. It's uh, you know, and actually, I think you kind of answered the next one because I was going to ask you two habits that you'd say for people going through challenges to continue to live forward instead of uh, push backwards. But what would be two challenges you'd say um, daily that they should uh, start incorporating? Challenges to themselves, as in like uh, Ch- hey, just I'll, challenges, I'll like in struggles, just those uh, struggles that yeah. they're going to face. Yeah, they're, they're going to face. I mean, a lot of people you know, struggle daily with all sorts of things from the smallest of things to the biggest of things. But if they can have habits daily that they can start to incorporate, they can start to just live forward instead of just ruminating in their, in their struggles and challenges. Yeah. Um, what I, what I will tell you is something that I struggle with, especially being my own boss, um, is, um, you know, getting motivated to do things like, especially in the mornings, right? I'm not one of those guys that wakes up and I'm like, let's seize the day. I I envy those that are, but I'm not. Um, (laughs) And so what I have to do is I have to structure as, as soon as possible in the day, uh, some type of event where someone is relying on me. Um, And so like, it it could be a phone call. It could be uh, one of these, like a, like a a commitment that I have to do, you know, whatever. Um, Yep. And what I find is that whenever I, when I help people or when I, you know, um, do something for somebody else, it energizes me. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would suggest that it probably is the same for most people. So I would say at least try to incorporate at least once in your day, something that helps improve somebody else's life. And it'll get you out of a funk a lot of times, and it'll get you away from thinking about just yourself. And, yeah. and it helps. And oftentimes, it, by the way, it can have business ramifications, too, because oftentimes, like I'll send a message to somebody and, and it'll either be a message of encouragement or I'll get, you know, send them a book that, to read or I'll whatever. And oftentimes they will respond back with, hey, I was just thinking about you. I wanted to talk to you about this deal I was doing. Right. <laughs> and, and so you'll you'll find you, know, you don't do it for that purpose. You do it literally just for the purpose of giving. Right. Um and then the second thing is, this is something I'll, I'll rob off Tony Robbins as well, is it's impossible to be depressed and grateful at the same time. At least this is huh. according to him. I've never tried to be depressed and grateful at the same time. But I will tell you, so what he's saying is if you are truly, truly in a place of gratitude for the things in your life, then it will change your mindset and it will change your state. And he talks about, so you can hmm. go on YouTube and find ways that he talks about specifically how he practices gratitude. But right. it's basically along the lines of, you know, and it can be anything and it can and should be small things as well as big things. Like, for instance, one that I always go back to is I'm extremely grateful that I can see because right. think about right. how much different your life would be if that you is... lost your sight. <laughs> no driving, no enjoying a sunset, no looking at your wife, no looking at your kids, no reading a book with your eyes. No, right? Right. There, there, there's so much that would immediately collapse if you lost your sight. That isn't that something we can all be grateful for? And if you don't have, if you are blind, but you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, then you have hearing. Right. So, can we be grateful for that? Because what if you lost your hearing? How does your huh. life change? Right. And, and those are big things. So sometimes that's really hard. Like you have to really sit in it and, and, and it kind of can be difficult to do it quickly. Right. Right. So, so what about also food? 
Yeah. Right. That's a little thing. Yeah. Right? Or, 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 or the or the fact that, that you, in fact, do have a child or you do have a, someone who loves you. Right. Or, or you've got clothes or whatever. Right. So it, it, you have that to find what works for you. But all of these things. We should be grateful for. And if we can't find it in us to be grateful for it, then at least try to envision what your life would be like if you lost it. Huh. That's a, that's see, I like this. Yeah, you've got some powerful stuff here. You're just you're just sitting on all of it, though, Eddie. I have stolen a lot from a lot of really smart people. That's, that's what I do. No, I've but never you never had an original thought in my life. <laughs> uh, who has? Come on now. Seriously, who good has? point. Who Great has? point. So, uh, this last one's gonna be fun. If you could sit at a, a firehouse table and have coffee with three individuals, they can be deceased or alive. And at a firehouse table, you can ask any question. All you know, everything's answered. Who would those three people be? Uh, well, I mean, I think I think you pretty much have to put Jesus at the table, right? Right. Because yep. regardless of your faith, let's just assume that you believe there's no God, there's no order in the universe, there's no anything. Right. Jesus is the most well-known name in history. Yep. It was this guy who was a carpenter who was not born into wealth, was not born with a, you know, a family name of any consequence, was not born into any type of influence. And yet, whether or not you even believe he was the son of God, you cannot deny the fact that he has more historical impact than any other human. That's so true. And you've got to be like, what? How did that happen? Right. And what was it like starting this movement, this counterculture movement with these 12 dudes who were of no importance themselves? And literally bucking against the Roman system and, and, and the, the system of the day where you can and will be killed for your actions. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? And how do you have that have such traction? I just, just from, I mean, I would have faith questions for him, obviously, for me, because I, I'm a person of faith. And so I would have those kinds. But even if you didn't have faith questions, you've got to be curious as to what Jesus <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. I don't know yeah. if you're going to need coffee, though. No, won't need coffee. <laughs> It'll be so stimulating. I like, love that. You know, um, and then obviously I think everybody else pales in comparison. But like I, I'm a personal uh, – I don't. this is weird, right? Because I don't know if I'd want to sit around a table with him. I'm just such – I'm just so blown away by everything that he's been able to accomplish for our world. And that's Elon Musk. Right. I don't I don't yep. know. I sit around a coffee table would probably be awkward with him because he's just an awkward dude. But like <laughs> what Look. he has done, it, it defies everything except the laws of physics. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, that's very it's true. Crazy. It defies everything that we know about how to build a company, about how to change an industry, about how to change a nation, potentially change humanity. It's and, and all for a brighter, crazy. more like abundant exponential and exciting future right of, of sailing through the cosmos and uh, and of you know like creating a world of abundance and abundant energy and uh, you know it's like what like <laughs> interconnected connectivity to everybody on the planet through starlink through through the person who is in uganda right now who you know has no future and no anything but can get a you know an old generation one smartphone from, you know, the local, like they have charities that give these things out, right? Uh, right. They, they like send androids to, to all people in like Zimbabwe and Uganda. And all of a sudden, because Starlink is up there, you now have access to the internet, which means you have the ability to bank online. You have the ability to learn what you need to learn to make money and to create 
a legacy changing abundance in your life through this free smartphone and this interconnectivity to a satellite you can't see. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> crazy stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, man, the third one. Well, geez, you've, you've almost run out. Like you guys are going to uh, have, this has got to be like that kind of fun one. That yeah, kind of that's, brings that's levity. One. yeah. Let's do a fun one. Uh, let's throw Kevin Hart in there. Right, because Kevin Hart is going to be hearing Kevin Hart make fun of Jesus would be the greatest experience I can possibly craft, and and like having him just throw shade at Jesus for how he talked and what he did, it would be hilarious, hilarious. And I think Jesus would like it too. I honestly think Jesus would crack up. Yeah, yeah. That that is that is the um yes the the, the explanations and the people I love it I love it, it great question <laughs> well it has been such an honor to have you on and uh, make sure you go to whitefeatherinvestments.com to find out more uh thank you so much for joining me today thank you this is awesome thanks for listening and supporting the forged in the fires podcast with fireman rob Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And please share this episode with a friend or family member. To find out more about Fireman Rob, or if you have a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.